Smarty Pants. Oh my god, and I don't even know how sex works with them. Got that homeschool weirdo stuff going on. Donde es pantalones? Hey, this piece of shit died. Where are pants? And then you blow something up. What's up, dabblers? <sighs> ah, are you doing good? Oh, fucking great. Yeah, we're still recording remotely. Damn you, coronavirus. Mm-hmm. COVID-19. All the five names that you have. Yeah, I heard um, that getting it once does not make you immune. So, um, I th- we'll be fine. We won't all die. Yeah, we even discussed possibly doing ours together again, how we used to record in person next to each other. But uh, we're, we're playing a little bit safe one more time, maybe a little bit longer. We'll find out. We're, we're keeping an eye on it. But yeah, so we're going to bring you guys another episode nonetheless because we love our dabblers. We ain't stopping. We love you. Yeah, can't quit, won't quit. People time's coming at you. Look out, bitch. I'm gonna work we're, we're gonna kill you with, with facts and you're gonna have a, a good time and maybe you're gonna be like uncomfortable but blap 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 and then crit Uh-huh. Side. Oh word. Yeah. Alright, so you're a good you're a good hype man. <laughs> Thanks. Sweet. Yeah. That's my favorite guy in all those songs anyways. If you erased everything else in the song and just heard the guy every once in a while, yeah. you know, every every minute or two. Yeah. What? Huh? Okay. Yeah. And then just, that was the whole song. I'd be down. Yeah. Well, wait, what's your name? Justice Beaver. Wait, who's Justice Beaver? Me? I'm a, I'm a crime-fighting beaver. <laughs> justice Beaver, coming to eat your wood. It'll all be for justice, and I have a big emblem on my chest. It's a piece of wood. <laughs> just a really thick, erect, like, piece of wood with, like, I don't know, maybe some rocks. Like two rocks at the base of it. So you know that's like in nature. And I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. Maybe some berries. You could do berries instead of rocks if you wanted. It's true, like a berry bush. Yep. For justice. For justice. Mm-hmm. It'll be like some cool slogan like, twig and berries. Just cause. <laughs> Just cause. For justice. For justice. Pull out your wood. Yeah. Uh, I am. Who are you? I'm John Bender from Breakfast Club. Because I love Breakfast Club. Oh, that's a fa- fucking great show. I watched it recently. Me too. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, and I like to hide my weed yeah. in nerds' underwear. It's perfect. Yeah. However, kind of sexist and weird, and the nerd doesn't hook up with anybody, but fun. It definitely has, I mean, I wouldn't say it te- It stands the test of time as far as PC goes, but... Yeah, uh, no, not totally. It's a really great 80s film. I definitely recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. Classic. Don't you forget about John Bender. Yeah. Don't, don't. I want to be an airborne ranger. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. Um, do you have a fun fact today? I work on my jump shot. Do you have a fun fact? Yeah. So, let's see. Back in 1986, the NASA's Voyager spacecraft, or the Voyager 2, which is still out there, that's the one that they just sent out to gather information from different planets and shit. And I think it's just recently outside of the solar system. So Voyager 2 uh, passed by Uranus back in 1986. It actually was within about 50,000 miles of it. So Voyager 2 picked up a lot of information when it passed by 
uh, Uranus, and that's why we know so much. A lot of what we know about it is from that flyby. Mm-hmm. But the NASA folks didn't analyze all of the information at the time, and a few years ago, some people who were working on plant planetary atmospherics were trying to solve a mystery of why planets lose mass over time that's not, what's the word, like, sequential, I guess? Like, planets lose mass in gobs, as opposed to just a, slit, a, a steady stream leaking out. I didn't know that. That's weird. Why? Yeah. Why does it then? Do we know? Well, there's a lot of different reasons. Like atmospheres just leak chemicals and shit. Like right. Mars's magnetism that was holding its atmosphere together shut off for whatever reason, so its atmosphere just blew off into space. Um, shut off. You're in. <laughs> yeah, I think they don't totally know why. Like we only have an atmosphere because we have that. I think they think it's nickel like liquid nickel in our core that creates the magnosphere. Right, yeah. Um, which locks the atmosphere. But when Voyager 2 passed by Uranus, after re-looking at the information from 1986, they found that it actually passed through a plasmoid. What's a plasmoid? To quote the actual article from phys.org, phys like physics, it's a great website. These giant bubbles of plasma, or electrified gas, pinch off from the planet <laughs> on the end of its magnetotail. So, when, when Voyager flew past Uranus, it flew through a ball of gas that, <laughs> that was pinched off. From the that was pinched tail. off. <laughs> so, um, some gas. Why did they word it that way? Plopped out of Uranus. <laughs> he was. You know, someone's having a good was, time on a, that website. A very serious physicist was like, <laughs> pinched off. <laughs> He's like, how can I throw in the word diarrhea in here? Maybe I can make this work. At the end of the article. On a scientific it's like, you know, level. if we were being using technical language, a plasmoid is like space diarrhea, is really what it is. <laughs> if we're going to be fair, and the Voyager flew right through it. That's how they're losing a lot of mass. Is it just like a bunch of chemicals just get released at once into space? Yeah, they, they think it's some imbalance in the poles. You know, the magnetation goes wobble, 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 and then chemicals eject. I guess Earth. And it just does this often. Yeah, Earth does it less often than the gas giants, because all that gas up there is kind of loose. Shoots off into space. Yeah. Luckily, our, I think what we keep is thinner, so we can still breathe. Well, that's good, yeah. We don't want to have all some space diarrhea coming out of Earth. Mm-mm. Or like a space ball scenario where it all gets sucked up. <laughs> yeah. That, that reminds me, there was like, that kind of reminds me of that age... Not, not age-old question, but the question that's been around for at least a couple decades where it was like, what happens if you were to put, you know, this is a hypothetical scenario, a large straw that went into, say, like the ocean and all the way out past our atmosphere and into space, would it suck? Because space is a vacuum, would it suck all of <laughs> Earth's water out? I don't... And I, if I remember right, I believe they've kind of, I guess, figured out the solution of what would happen, and that is that nothing would happen. Because even though space is a vacuum and it sucks, I guess our own gravity as well as on top of just the pressure 
from our atmosphere down is too much yeah. to allow the water to actually go up. So I don't know exactly if that's correct. It's been a while since I've... Because there's going to be pressure changes as you go down the straw. So the water is going to... It's not just going to shoot out. Yeah. But it is an interesting thought. It's kind of fun. The only thing I know about that concept is you cannot drink beer with a straw. You can't. So if we had an ocean full of beer, we might be able to do that. Just put a straw in it out of the atmosphere and it would just fizz right out like a volcano. I've yeah, I've never really thought about it. I've never drinking beer from a straw or seen anyone else do it, so Um put a straw in beer. See what happens. You're gonna lose a lot of beer. It's a lot like those what, Mentos in Coke? Is that what people do? Yeah. It looks a lot like that. Then I will not do that. And looking well, like a dweeb. Well, uh guess who we're learning about today? Martha Stewart. Oh damn, you got it right. Okay. Hmm. <clears throat> I actually hired Martha Stewart uh, for people time protection because now yeah. that the world is going crazy. Like now the world is like, that's so Raven. Um, yeah. The bunker needs some protection. And I know she was in prison, so I think she knows her way around security. Yeah. So don't fuck with the bunker. I'm telling you that. Thanks, Martha. <laughs> Sorry. Who oh, are I we did, doing? I did also want to give a quick shout out because I'm not even so much a shout out. So what I wanted to do was, if there's any of our listeners who are looking for more podcasts to listen to while you're all locked up inside, or mm-hmm. if you're essential and you have to go out and work, I've actually been digging, uh, I mean, I've always been listening to him, but I've been getting really into the Loss of Podcast. We've interacted with I, him before. Yes, we have. And, I mean, I'm not just saying this just to help promote another podcast. Like, I've been listening to it a lot, and I love it. So if you are just looking for new podcasts, Loss of Podcast is really good. It's like Velociraptor, but it's not Raptor, it's podcast. And then also, we always do stuff with uh, Knackers and the Breeze. So check them out. We love those guys. Knackers yeah. are our, our English compatriots. Yeah. And then, yeah, we interacted with the Velocity Podcast a couple times, I think. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of really good content. I kind of want to get in like a podcast war with them, with, <laughs> uh, with Peter. So we'll see. I love listening to him. He's hilarious. And he breaks things down in a logical way, yet humorous way. So he'll talk yeah. about all, and you can send questions into him. He'll answer them. It's fun. Yeah. No, uh, we're list- uh, We are learning today in history about Alfred Nobel. Nobel, like yeah. of the prizes. Of the prizes, you are correct. Ooh. So that's what he's probably best known for. I mean, that's actually probably not even true. He's probably best known for a couple of things, which we'll get into. But I think the very first thing that people think about, if you know anything, is Nobel Prize. Yeah, I guess I never even thought, because I knew that, I I think I vaguely knew that the Nobel Prize was named after a guy, but I didn't really consider, is it because he was such a kick-ass scientist, or did he start the awards? Well, and we've done a few people on our People Time episodes that have won Nobel Prizes, and so yeah. I'm one of my thoughts was, well, who came up with the Nobel Prize, why does it exist? And it turns out that this guy's life, Alfred Nobel, is insane. It's pretty good. So it's going to be fun. Did he get a reward for it? For his life? Kind of. <laughs> Not a Nobel Prize award, but oh. probably something better. No, I think what he got is is really, really good. So Herpes. Yeah. If you like herpes. Hey, each to his own. Well, to give you the time frame, Alfred Nobel was born on October 21st of 1833. In Stockholm, Ooh. Sweden. That's earlier than I thought. Earlier, early 1300s, kind of mid 13 or 1800s. Wow, early 1800s, mid yeah. 1800s. We're kind of it's, in that time frame. Sweden. 
in Sweden. Sweet. Yeah. And so just to give a quick summary of kind of what Alfred Nobel is known for, most people have heard of the Nobel Prize. To give you more context of what that is, in case you don't know what the Nobel Prize is, it's a prize that's given to multiple people each year. Now, a prize doesn't have to be given each year, but it usually is. And there's multiple categories. And what happens is, is if you make a discovery or you are able to help benefit mankind in some major way, you get nominated. You get sent to this committee that holds the Nobel Prizes, and they review it, and then they decide who gets it, and it's money. I mean, you get other stuff too. You get metal, like some sort of like gold medals, as well as a certificate that says that you won the Nobel Prize. And the categories, at least when Nobel, Alfred, you know, put it together, were in physics, chemistry, psychology, and or medicine, and literature and peace. So you could win it for writing. You could win it for bringing nations together. Yeah, kind of the same the same categories we have now. Are they different now? So there is one that did get added in later. Um, the Economic Science Prize got added mm. in actually 1968. So like quite a bit later on. Yeah. But that's now a prize. And multiple prizes can, give, can be given out in uh, the same category in a year, but there are like limitations. So they have all these kind of rules. But now you have the idea of what exactly a Nobel Prize is, is that it's essentially lump sum of money and uh, a pat on the back for doing good for basically mankind yeah hey thanks award yeah um so you say so some years like for example nobody kicked ass in chemistry so there's just no reward given that year like, correct like there's actually there's actually a list of years and there's not very many of them but there's a list of years where no nobel prize of any category was given so like that, a whole year where nobody got it that is hilarious because you know yeah. there's like a whole committee running through all the papers, and they're like, nothing nothing happened this year. I don't know. I don't even Oftentimes know. Oftentimes, it's around war times. So, like, World War One and World War II, oh. there's some spots in there where nobody got anything, probably because there's just too much chaos. Nobody was getting the peace prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. true. But they give that, that shit to anybody. I mean, Obama got that, like, a week before he increased troops in Afghanistan. Yeah. We're going to go into some funny scenarios as well. At the yeah. end, that are going to be fun to go over. But, yeah. So now we can go and get into our story. And like I was saying, Alfred's born in 1833 in Sweden. Now, his father is known for being an engineer and an inventor. And you'll see this kind of get passed down to Alfred, which is why I'm bringing it up. But they started off pretty poor. As a matter of fact, right before Alfred was born, his father was declaring bankruptcy. And so his family wasn't really well off. Mm. And they moved from Sweden... Um, later on, we'll learn about this. They moved from Sweden to Russia as his father's trying to kind of regain some more inventions, come up with more ideas, and get the family back on track. But they started off pretty poor. As a matter of fact, Alfred himself was homeschooled for a while by his mother. Ew. You know, it's kind of funny because it, it kind of translates a little bit later on as well. He's a little bit weird. He's a little yeah, weird. he's a little bit weird, a little bit awkward. <laughs> but he's very, very smart, super intelligent, and as a matter of fact... He's so intelligent, by the age of three, he learns to read. And Whoa, at three? Yeah, at three years old. Fuck. Yeah, we're going to find out how smart this guy is. He just keeps going. I wasn't even wiping my ass at three. Yeah, I don't even know. I think I was using the... I was potty trained by three, but that that's the biggest step. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what's three? I mean, that they're walking around, Yeah. but are they t are they talking yet? Oh, yeah. Three-year-olds talk. You talk at three? I don't know. Sure, but they hold a, a super long conversation. But, yeah. 
Yeah, you're you're yeah. definitely walking around talking. You're a toddler still. That's true. So it's like terrible twos plus they can talk to you. <laughs> yeah, say no and don't and mine. Wipe their ass. And if you're Alfred, what, Reed, Moby Dick? <laughs> Dude, so after he, Probably. Learned, after he learned how to read, he was basically always seen with a book in his hands. Like, he loved reading. It was, like, one of his favorite things, especially, like, I mean, this will go a little, little bit later on when he's older, but, like, he really got into poetry, and he had a lot of poets that he liked. He also ends up learning a lot of languages. By the time he's 17, he learns, like, five languages. So you can tell he's already, one, he's got a great memory. He learns quickly. He's definitely yeah. intelligent. He's one of those geniuses. Yep. We do a lot of geniuses here. But we can't even, I have no idea. Yeah. How their brains work. Me but either. Nerd. <laughs> Probably. Because when I was 17, you know, I didn't speak Korean, but I got I got close to females. I was like, hey, I, how are you? And then they would they would usually walk away. But, you know, yeah. I don't want to brag. Just saying. You might have got a better scorecard. You might share a little bit of common yeah, situations with Alfred. We'll see. We're both not good with the ladies. <laughs> Pretty much with him, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel I feel you. Only you're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the same, but he's way smart. <laughs> I have no excuse. So the issue with Alfred too was uh, he had a lot of health issues, which included he would have like epileptic seizures, um, intense migraines, and a lot of gastral or gastric diseases that uh, really prevented him from kind of going out. That's why he was homeschooled at least up until about six years old. Obviously. He was already pretty smart by that point and already knew a lot of different things in his education, like reading and being able to do math and that kind of stuff. So I guess his mom was also a decent well, teacher. Yeah. Um, we need to throw him into the uh, – everybody needs to go watch our uh, topics who have seizures category, which maybe – We actually have that now. It's weird, yeah. It's like a thing. We've had multiple people. Harriet Tubman had one. Yeah. Joan of Arc. Had had seizures. That's right, Joan of so, Arc. Somebody else we've done did him. Well, add this one to the list. It's a big thing. Weird. With people time, change your name, be a genius, and have seizures. And Yeah, you'll do great things in the... In the worlds. You'll be at Martha Stewart level. Now, even though he had major health issues, because his family was so poor, there wasn't a whole lot of options, and his parents had to send him and his other siblings out to go try to earn money on the streets, which... They really mm. just went around and sold like little things like matches and would try to collect as much money oh, from them. Yeah. That is so depressing. Really, really poor um, when he was a young age. That's kind of how yeah. they got by, though, was kind of using the kids as well as the parents worked as well. But yeah, the kids went, ran around and tried to collect money in any way they could. You, you see that dirty kid on the corner of the street with matches, you know, two cents, sir. Ugh. During Alfred's childhood, Alfred's dad ended up inventing what, what is called the rotary lathe. So he's the one who invented it. Now, the lathe has been around mm. since ancient, like, Egypt, ancient Rome, Greece. So it's been yeah, around a long time. the lathe is pretty typical for um, engineering projects. Right. Building he, anything. He adapted it and changed it to kind of what was needed for the time frame and what ended up being the rotary lathe, which was new to that time frame. So he invented that, and this is kind of how plywood would later get made. So he's kind of also what? the inventor of plywood. So it's like cutting down these really thin sheets of wood, but having them all stay consistent, and then you obviously glue them together if you want to, and however thick you want them, 
You end up getting pleasure right. out of it. Yeah. Go pop a Nobel. Yeah. And because of his invention, Alfred's father decides to move the whole family to Russia to try to go sell the invention. He wants to go start basically marketing oh. it, trying to get it out Nobody there. He wants it. Um, people are interested in it for sure. I guess I'm not really sure why he wanted Russia, except for the only thing I can come up with is that he had other ideas that had to do with <laughs> wartime kind of ideas, explosives and different kinds of weapons. So maybe oh. Russia just seemed like a good place to go if you wanted to also pitch your ideas for that. Wow. And it's weird because he ends up actually even meeting the Russia, uh, the Russian czar, Sir Nicholas I. And so if you remember, we've talked about in our episode of Rasputin. Russia's greatest sex machine. Yeah, we talk about Nicholas II. Now, they're not um, father and son. There's a little bit of distance between them. I think they're great-grandfather and great-grandson. But Nicholas I mm. is the czar at this time in Russia. And somehow, yeah, uh, Alfred's father goes and meets with him, talks to him about the rotary lathe, and Nicholas I is super impressed. He's like, what other ideas you got? You got anything else? And Alfred's father yeah. takes this opportunity to be like, yeah, actually I do. And here's what he pitches to Nicholas I. I got a kid that sells matches. <laughs> so Alfred's father tells Nicholas I that he has this idea to make mines that are currently only really used on land and make them so that they can be submerged underwater. And when something hmm. hits them or bumps into them, they'll explode underwater and take out the ship or whatever. And, of course, Nicholas I is super interested in this. He's like, that's a brilliant there's idea. No, there's, there's no underwater mines yet. At this time, yeah, nope. Hmm. And so Nicholas I gives Alfred's father a shit ton of money. He's like, get to work on this. This will be a great way to defend Russia, so that way people can't come mm -hmm. and attack us by sea. They'd have to hit these mines and blow up and then... We're and the mer the mer people, and the mer people, the sirens that that uh -huh. will help sink our own ships when they start going towards the sirens that are singing to them or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can protect ships from getting seduced by the sirens, and we know the mer people are not that bright. They'll just run into the mines. And just <laughs> yeah, especially the the reverse mermaids. Right, the right. fish heads. <laughs> yeah, so they don't swim that well either. <laughs> no. Just kicking. <laughs> <laughs> super tired all the time i'd imagine very tired oh my god and i don't even know how sex works with them but we want to get rid of them <laughs> we're just gonna bomb them out they're a disgusting creature we're sorry we're getting rid of them well we were really sad when we found them because we thought oh it was gonna be like the hot kind but it's not so let's just kill them yeah alfred's father basically gets a factory or multiple factories in fact to start working on submersed mines, as well as other military weapons, really. He creates new cannons, he tries to make them better, as well as explosive shells, and they start making a ton of weapons for Russia, and they're getting paid a lot. His The Nobel family at this point becomes very wealthy, so they go from being dirt poor to selling matches to now oh, being wow. in a mansion and having a really good job that's continuously paying them a lot of money. That's a good lesson, too, to remember. Because they were poor when he made a lathe, which who gives a shit, <laughs> make war weapons, and you get yourself a mansion. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least the lathe was a good kicking off point. So it did start to bring in some money yeah. and give him some attention for being an, a good engineer. But you're right. He made most of his money because of the military weapons he was creating for Russia. If you're going to be an inventor, make a laser or a really big hammer. Yeah. 
<laughs> because uh, they're wealthy now, Alfred's father uh, actually starts to hire on private tutors for his kids. Now, Alfred has brothers and sisters, but a lot of them actually didn't make it uh, earlier on. I think in total there was eight, but yeah. only four survived. Not all at this Ugh. point, but just from you know young ages. But the other ones weren't quite as bright, and I think everyone kind of knew that. They all got private tutors, but Alfred was definitely, like, he was dedicated. All of his tutors liked him. They're like, this is a kid who is extremely curious, loves to learn more. He's diligent when we give him an assignment to do or to work on. He works on it until he figures it out or until he can, He's you know. smarty pants. Oh, yeah. And he loves it. He seems to just be interested in all things around him. Kind of sad that your tutors are into you, though. <laughs> Well, it's funny because we've had other people not? that have had tutors in other people time episodes, and they usually tend to not do well. It's usually like it's true. The yeah. Tutors are giving them shit, being like, "Yeah, they're not interested. They're hard to get to focus." Like Marie Antoinette was just dull. She's dumb as shit. Didn't have any tutors. No. Yeah. And Patton was tutored, but his tutors were like, "He's so arrogant, you can't even with him." Right. Well, even though he was picking up pretty much everything, he did have a lot of interests that were, I guess, higher up on his, you know, what what interested him the most, and that would be chemistry and poetry. He also loved other languages, which is why by the time he was 17, he learned five of them. But he liked the idea of, like, how everyone has a different language and how they work and why they're different from each other. So just in general, he thought it was an interesting concept. And so he learned a couple languages. <laughs> Geniuses. But they're just like... Language is cool. I'm gonna ring, I'm gonna learn five. What the hell? <laughs> I know, right? I can't even I get can myself to learn speak one. English. No. I've tried. I've tried to learn Russian. I've tried to learn Spanish. I've tried to learn Japanese. Yeah. I I get like a month in, and then I'm like, I'm good. I forgot how all this stuff. Yeah. You know, is hard. Well, and I've even tried to pick up basic like conversational stuff in Spanish, which is just helpful in America to yeah. know. And I'm too retarded. Can't do it. <laughs> Me too. I mean, donde es lechuga? That's what I can say. Something, something, the milk. Where? Where is the milk? Yeah. Nice. See, I don't even know what I said. Donde es pantalones? Where are the underwear? Where are the pants? Where are pants? (laughs) Yeah, where are pants? I don't know know either. Where are pants? (laughs) (laughs) The great Spanish question. (laughs) (laughs) It's been plaguing the... The history of man since the dawn of time. Where are pants? Well, that's what the, the, ancient, the ancient Mayans built all those big temples and murdered all those kids, ripped their hearts out, because they're like, Where are pants? Where are? Don't they ask? And everyone just screaming at each other, Where are pants? I don't know. I don't Where fuck, are pants? Dude. Maybe we're worshipping the wrong death god. He doesn't know to know where the pants are either. Just one guy standing on top of a temple, screaming up to the skies, Donde es pantalone? <laughs> oh, yeah. they, never, they never figured it out. They all died, and now the president of Mexico runs on the same platform. <laughs> that, that's his burden now. That's on him. That's on you, whoever you are. I don't even know who the president of Mexico is. <laughs> he hates Trump. He's good enough with me. Yeah. Let me say, yeah, I think there's a lot of corruption over there. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, even the higher echelon of their government is run by the the uh, cartels the and shit. Cartel. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Pablo. Thanks, Pablo. You dick. Although, Asshole. 
Also yeah, kind of I mean, awesome. Kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of uh, he's, <laughs> he's kind of awesome. He rocks. Also, just changed the totally. You know, I don't know. He's just, you're a mass murderer, but you were pretty dope though. It was all that. Created <laughs> the zoo. <laughs> you're fucking cool, dude. All right, so yeah, so Alfred, when he was a teenager, he actually liked working in his father's factories where they were making weapons, you know, explosives, working with gunpowder, all that kind of stuff. His father even allowed him to start working with the chemicals and the different products to use to make these weapons. The chemicals that they were using, well, they're okay, uh, somewhat dangerous, but I guess Alfred picked them up pretty quick of understanding the chemistry behind them. So Which plant? In his father's plant, his father's factory. Right, okay. So we, yeah. but we don't know what chemicals they are. Well, it was most like black powder and other kinds of explosives. To... Oh, for a young boy? Yeah. Uh, now, these are, they're pretty stable, right? Black powder's pretty stable for the most part. You need to, like, yeah. start a fire or, you know, some sort of yeah, hard can... kind of impact to be able to do any kind of explosive. So, I mean, I would still okay. think there's a lot of destroyed mailboxes allowing yeah. him to have black powder. <laughs> Maybe so. But, yeah, so he was intrigued with his father's factory and the works in there, and he kind of worked in there a little bit. In 1850, when he was 17 years old, Alfred's father actually sends him to Paris to go continue his studies. Um, at this point, Alfred's really big into chemistry, and so he's going to go continue his studies with chemistry. And while he's in Paris, he meets with a chemist named... Ooh, I had to write this out phonetically. Asconio. Asconio. There we go. Ascanio. Ascanio Saprego. Is that French? Uh, no, I think he's Italian. It's Russian. Oh. Yeah. All right. Go Europe. So Ascanio is actually the man who discovered nitroglycerin. Ooh, that's a cool one. Yeah, we're going to get into I think I almost a did bit. a people time on him. Oh, did you? Yeah, he would be a good one to do it. At least I thought, I remember thinking about it and looking at it. Because nitroglycerin does all kinds of shit. Yeah, it's it, it's it's pretty used like in ways that you wouldn't think, in explosive ways, in medicine that you ingest. Like it's kind of weird how it has a huge array of things. Yeah, it's weird because yeah, it can make a bomb, and then I think they give it to people who are while they're having a heart attack. Yeah, you want to do it either while or before if they're prone to it, and they can start taking it. Weird. After the fact doesn't really help a whole lot. Huh? Weird. Go. What's his name? Ascanio? Ascanio. Ascanio. Eh? Donde es pantalones, Ascanio? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. In Italian, he goes, where are pants? Figured out. <laughs> <laughs> However you say that. Yeah. So, if you don't know what nitroglycerin is, by the way, because I was going to go into a little bit of details, it is a, a liquid that is very unstable. Super highly explosive. In fact, it's considered mm. to be probably one of the most unstable explosives. It only takes the slightest bump or any kind of real friction, and it will explode. So it's really dangerous to work with. As a matter of fact... That's what TNT is? Yeah, we're going to get into that. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah. Now you're on the right page. That's awesome. Yeah, so... Well, isn't it also... I think if I'm like reading the Webster's Dictionary definition of nitroglycerin, it's... It must be your You're skin. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. sinking in. Bush was really big into chemistry as well. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Gavin Rossdale loves chemistry. Glycerine. Glycerine. And then Bad Moon oh, T. Oh, glycerine. 
As it falls around Gwen Stefani. <laughs> he could have done so much better. All right. All right. I did. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what um, nitroglycerin is. Uh, it's a liquid form, and, yeah, you don't really want to play with it. You will. You probably will die if you uh, aren't careful with it. with it. And even when you're careful with it. Like, some people even thought back then that, like, it could just go off for no reason because they... They didn't realize that anything could set it off with the slightest like jarring motion or anything. Well, so people how were many just people like died figuring that out. A lot. As a matter of fact, Escanio, yeah. when he discovered it, he actually didn't want to tell anybody about it because when he realized how explosive it was, he luckily didn't die or get hurt, at least not mm. bad enough. Um, but he kept it a secret for a year because he was afraid that that it would harm people if they tried to experiment with it like he was doing. So he kept it a secret for a year and then eventually released it to other chemists, I guess newspapers and stuff, just kind of talking about his discovery. But he even said that he, he discouraged anyone from working with it and said that it was it was highly dangerous. A little after yeah. he releases this is kind of the time frame where we have Alfred who meets him. And Alfred's super interested in this. He's like... Well, you got a new chemical? I want to play with this. Like, I want to know more about it. He's already a curious guy as it comes. And he's like, you're saying it's this explosive? That's weird. Like, I got to see, the, like, what it looks like Sweet. and stuff. I could, like, blow shit up with it, dude? Oh, man. Ah, my dad works with explosives. Let me check yours out, bro. Fucking love explosives, dude. I could talk to you about explosives in Korean. I mean, women never know want to. Do you want to? Wear our pants. And no. then you blow something up. Where are pants? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, even Ascanio tried to tell Alfred, like, be careful with this or don't use it at all, whatever. He, in Ascanio's own words, this is some fun stuff he said. One of the things he said was, it has the property of detonating very violently in certain circumstances. On one occasion, a drop of pyroglycerin, which is what he was calling it at the time before it got the name mm. nitroglycerin, was heated in a test tube and exploded with such violence that the glass splinters cut deep into my own face and hands and hurt other people who what? were standing some distance off in the other room. That sucks. So he had a small amount, like not a, like a drop, and that's how violently it can explode while it was inside a, a glass container. It just burst. And the shards were so thoroughly, whatever, pushed. Yeah, the force of them. Cut people in other rooms. Yeah. Fuck. And so, I want to get my hands on some. And Ascanio even goes on as far as saying that he was ashamed to ever admit to being the person to discover nitroglycerin due to all the deaths that it had caused at the time when he said it. And mm. he even said, like, any future ones, because it surely will. So Ascanio is kind of like, I made this huge discovery of this new chemical, and I hate that I'm the one who discovered it, and I wish that I didn't. So that's how, that's how dangerous nitroglycerin can be. It's probably, yeah, been a lot of people. Yeah. Now, Alfred... Like the Winchester guy who made that gun that shot really fast. Oh, yeah. Or Oppenheimer. Yeah, bringer of death, destroyer Gotta of worlds. Gotta be careful. Yeah. Gotta be careful, guys. Alfred, however, was intrigued. He liked the idea of nitroglycerin, and he wanted to find a way to make it stable so that you could work with it without it being dangerous, but still keeping its ability to be a, as explosive as it was. Uh, he thought it would sure. be a really great idea yeah. for mining. He's like, if you go put this stuff down in tunnels, this would help mining out a ton. The problem is, is that you can't even transport nitroglycerin to the mines because it would blow up before it got there because it's that unstable. Shakes on the road and... Yeah, exactly. Damn One it! One bump. Fourteenth time! Whoever's just driving the carriage right. is just sweating the whole time. Any second now. Oh, God. Keep it steady, Johnny. Keep it steady. Keep it steady. Yeah. Uh, squirrel! 
<laughs> Bree's too heavy. Damn it. <sighs> Just a drop of sweat falls on the floor and changes the vibration pattern in the truck. The, w- the worst way would obviously be a fart. Just driving along. <laughs> <laughs> no! God, I fucking love the burritos that stand. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> no! Whoops. So, um, yeah, despite Oskiano's warnings about the violent explosives, Alfred is still intrigued by nitroglycerine. And mm. Alfred goes on to work with a lot of different other engineers and chemists. He stays in France for a while in Paris, but he does eventually make his way actually over to North America, the U.S. And he works with more chemists there, but he only stays there for about a year. He's just kind of more building up his education and mm-hmm. learning as much as he can. And everyone is talking to him about nitroglycerin because he keeps bringing it up. It's kind of more of a side hobby while he's doing other stuff in chemistry and in engineering. But he is talking to other people about it. And they're like, if you can find a way to make that thing stable, you will have a huge thing on your hands. Like that could be used for so many things. So a lot of other chemists are even encouraging him and being like, if you find that out, like, that's a big deal. So he... And that's something the Spanish guy wasn't interested in doing? No, he kind of ends up, I think, pushing himself further and further away because people keep dying whenever they work with it. And he was aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Like, multiple people die pretty early on when they're working with this, with nitroglycerine. It's just too unstable. <laughs> and it blows up big, so... You can't really work with it remotely. You're hands-on, and then if it blows up, you don't make it, usually. So he's like, I made the dangerous shit. I'm washing my hands of it. Yeah. Too scary. Yeah, he doesn't really like that he's even known for discovering it, so he, he kind of steps away from it for the most part. All right. Pussy. <laughs> we need a real hero, like a homeschooled weirdo. A homeschooled weirdo who's super curious about everything. Also, yeah. Alfred... I mean, even though Alfred really wants to make this for basically the mining industry, he does have a naive kind of thought about it. And he says that because of how explosive it is, that it would actually be a peacekeeper for war because it's so dangerous and so violent that nobody would want to go to war with each other because they'd be like, okay, let's talk this out instead of killing each other. Um, Yeah, so this is like pre-nuke. Yeah, nuke mentality it's kind of in my opinion it's kind of naive because it's not how that works right people nope. people threaten with that kind of stuff rather than being afraid of it they, they might use it now oh you have to be able to kill a whole city to stop a war yeah yeah <laughs> or two cities as we've seen maybe one or two yeah. cities of civilians that's all it takes and it's really only helpful when you're the only one that has that technology to keep the peace but uh you know rosenberg's thanks guys so that's kind of his thought on it and he really did legitimately believe this he was like this will be great for communication amongst nations this will stop wars now nitroglycerin really isn't used in wars at least not to that kind of extent um for many reasons but that was his idea alfred actually moves back to russia his father's factories are still running and he tells his brothers that he wants them to join in on his kind of side project hobby with nitroglycerin to kind of work with it and so him his brothers even his father sometimes gets involved his father's very experienced with explosives and he can't even seem to find he's the mind guy yeah but he even can't seem to find a way to stabilize this dangerous liquid he's just like i don't know what what you can do with this it's too dangerous to work with and i don't know how to make it stable so he kind of continues working on it more and more on the side um during this time russia's actually uh starts a war with England, France, and Turkey, which is known as the Crimean War. Yeah, like Crimea, the Ukrainian city. Oh, yeah. See, there you go. 
And the war... I don't know if we've discussed this war before. I don't think we have. Not on people time. So... I don't think we have. It's only three years long. It's from 1853 to 1856. And the wars mostly do because Russia was starting to push down and towards other countries and into Europe. And everybody was like, whoa, back off. And there's... Imperialist dicks. Yeah. There's also a lot of religion involved um, over uh, the Palestine, who has rights to the Holy Land. And everyone's arguing about that as well. So so dumb. Russia ends up signing a, a treaty, peace treaty, to back off. That's how the war ends. But because during the wartime, this gave a lot of money to Alfred's dad, who was building all these mm. weapons of war. But when it when the war stopped, it was a steep decline. He ends up actually going bankrupt because he had like thousands of employees, multiple factories, and then all of a sudden just stopped. Whoops. Yeah. There's the military industrial complex doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. So the uh, it, it's so bad that he declares bankruptcy for the second time in his life and moves the family, or at least most of them, back to Sweden. I'm not really sure why. I guess he was just like, bah, screw Russia. Let's go back to Sweden. Let's go back to our home. But It's cold. They don't like my contracts. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. To the land of chocolate. Yum. Well, Alfred doesn't go back to Sweden with the rest of his family. In fact, Alfred convinces his brothers to stay and continue working. They make their own business as engineers, still building other stuff. But Al- In Russia? In Russia, yeah. Okay. And Alfred uh, is still kind of working on his side project with nitroglycerin. In 1861, he's still working with nitroglycerin and has started to create it himself. So up until this point, he's always been either working with it, either not directly, but like, you know, with the science behind it and chemists and what the products are that make nitroglycerin and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now he's actually creating it himself so he can actually work with it hands-on. Dangerous. Yep. And he tries many different things to try to make a stable, experimenting it, trying to mix other kind of chemicals with it to see what happens. And mm. while he's doing this, this is kind of how the story goes. Okay, so he had a glass vial of nitroglycerin that he accidentally knocked it over. So it was on like a table and he knocks it over onto Bro, the ground. Bro, <laughs> Be careful of any goddamn thing. <laughs> All right. <He's> Jesus. Like, <laughs> Where'd I put that nitroglycerin? Anything. <gasps> oh, I hope that was my tea. <laughs> nope. I need to start labeling my shit. Well, it hits the ground, but it doesn't explode. And if it would have, it would have surely taken his life. But he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't know why it didn't explode. And that was the part that kind of was like, okay, it didn't blow up. Hmm. Why? Now, when he knocked it over, luckily what happened was he knocked the the vial over and it started dumping out on the ground as the glass fell as well. And when it hit the ground, it hit a mixture of like dirt and straw because that's what the ground was. It was just like a dirt ground. Cow shit. Coal dust. My self-esteem. So there's a lot lot of coal dust on the ground, a lot of straw, and then the dirt underneath, of course. Okay. So he works in a barn? Well, I think it was like... A factory, like a small factory, him and his brothers built up. Oh. And yeah, they worked with coal there. And he thought, like, oh, maybe one of these things, if I mix it with the nitroglycerin, will help keep it stable because it didn't blow up. Hmm. Now, I'm not sure how true this exact story is. This is kind of what was told, is like how he kind of figured it out. But he ends up deciding to try to mix it with other things. He first does it with, with coal dust, and he finds that it kind of is stable. It's still dangerous to work with. But he can actually kind of move it around a little bit more freely. It doesn't blow up immediately, like on simple bumps and stuff. But it's still isn't dangerous. It's hilarious that that's science. Yeah, where he accidentally dropped it in some coal and was like, 
Hmm. Maybe this. Oh, it fucking works. Yeah. Like he should be dead. Right. So he does first mix it with powdered coal for a little while as he's trying to do more experiments with it. And he eventually um, is able to realize that he can actually transport it in this state. But it still can blow up pretty easily. Enough that it's still like, okay, maybe we we don't want to transport it, but you you can kind of do it. Just you got to be super careful. But it's still not as stable as he'd like it to be, right? It's not... Does it take... like heat or any incendiary thing to light it, or is it just jiggling the shit will blow it up? When it's just nitroglycerin, yeah, jiggling it will do it. it. When it's with the coal, it's more stable, but like I think any kind of extreme heat on it, not even necessarily fire, but like if it's out in the sun yeah. too long, it might blow up. Or if it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you were to huck it against the wall, who knows? It might blow up. Like it's still so, so hard to figure out and it's not completely stable. So using coal as like an insulator protects it from whatever outside force could disturb it. Kind of, I guess. yeah. Chemically? Kind of. And even at this point, I wouldn't say it's still the most stable. It's more stable than it was before when it's just pure nitroglycerin. God. He has fucking balls. But he starts telling everybody about this. He starts sending out letters to his chemist friends and everybody saying, hey, I think I found a way I can transport this safely. I'm still working out the kinks, but I think I might be onto something. So everyone's getting super excited about it. Like, oh shit, he figured it out. Now, as he's doing this, people are starting to get interested in buying his products. And he finds this kind of clay, and it's a specific kind of clay. You could probably use any kind of, well, not any kind. You could probably use other kinds as well. But he found a clay that has fossilized algae that's mixed in the clay and it kind of gives it a unique huh. form and and isn't that chalk or something like that um not chalk it's fossilized shit yeah i mean it's got the fossilized algae in it and dirt and it's on the riverbank and when you mixes this with the nitroglycerin this is where it becomes really stable and he's actually now able to really move it around and not have any issues of it possibly blowing up specifically river clay with algae fossils fossilized algae yeah science is bananas yeah now while they were still working with nitroglycerin because they're still making it in its pure form alfred's brother is working in a factory where they're making a vat of it and it gets overheated and blows up and alfred's brother dies pretty much Mm. immediately like it blows up the whole entire factory a couple people die alfred was in another building next door and he even got some injuries from it because of how big the explosion was, even though he wasn't in the same building. In a different building? Yeah. I want to get some of this just to see. Yeah. I don't want to hurt anybody. And I, I just, it sounds, it's so violent. I just kind of want to see it like a building just. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, there's, what? There's a lot of stories of like buildings getting leveled later on with people using nitroglycerin and stuff. Not during this time frame, but yeah, like it well, can be pretty bad. Now, I didn't, I couldn't find how much was actually being made that blew up. So I don't know how big of a vat they had. That's all they said was that it was a vat that got overheated, exploded, pretty much killed everybody in that building, including his brother. And then he got damaged from being next to that building. Balls. Yeah. It was 12 ounces. That's all it takes. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Well, I I think the main problem is Alfred's brother, because Alfred was like, use this river clay. And Alfred was like, "Ah, I'm going to try (laughs) Play-Doh. I've always had a great time with Play-Doh. It tastes delicious. It's fun. A little salty. A little salty. I'm going to try it. Yeah. Well, this surprisingly doesn't even discourage Alfred from continuing to work with glycerin. As a matter of fact, he saw it as like this 
my brother will not die in vain. I must figure this out. Like, I, I will not let him, trying to help me figure this out, die, and then me to stop. It's not him dying in vain if you just call it. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. But that's how he, I guess... He's suicidal is what he is. Alfred vowed that he was going to find a way to make it completely stable, and that's really what it was, was that clay. He kept doing more and more tests on it and found out, like, okay, when we're making nitroglycerin, it's dangerous in that sense. So we have to be careful when we do that. That's how my brother died. But once we get it into this clay, we can actually form it and make it into kind of like little pipes or into balls or whatever, and it's safe. You can transport it completely fine. Matter of fact, it's so stable that you could even light it on fire and it won't blow up. So you've basically put it all to sleep, the the violent nitroglycerin. So there's some chemical reaction from this clay that neutralizes it? Pretty much. Weird. But that's only solving the first problem. The second problem is that he still wants the explosiveness of it, and now he needs to find a way to detonate it. And this is where mm. he finds that... If you light it on fire, it doesn't blow up. But if enough of a violent impact hits it, then it will. So he finds out that if you take this clay with the nitroglycerin in it, and you put gunpowder on it, and then you explode the gunpowder, it will then explode the nitroglycerin slash clay. But that's dangerous, so he's got to find a way to make this all work. And that's where he comes up with these things called blasting caps. So he puts the nitroglycerin into the clay, he puts a blasting cap which has the black powder in it, and then he uses a wick to light the end of the wick that goes down, hits the black powder, it explodes, which then detonates the glycerin. So this is just TNT. And thus he creates dynamite. So Alfred Nobel is the inventor, the creator of dynamite. People time. People time. Weird. And when he tells this to everybody, everybody goes nuts. He's found a way to stabilize it so that way you can ship it around. You don't even have to worry about it at all, really, because it's yeah. completely stable. You have to have that blasting cap explode for it to go off. And people come all over to buy this up. And he pretty much becomes instantly wealthy overnight. Like, it's insane how much money he gets immediately. He goes from being oh, yeah. in the state he was before, which wasn't necessarily poor at this point, but average to being one of the wealthiest people. We love efficient weapons. I'm assuming his biggest client, first of all, was Wiley Coyote. <laughs> yeah. It's like, give me a pile of this. Never caught that goddamn bird. I have dreams about choking him. Yeah, and it's pretty smart because he was good enough to realize that how much this was needed or wanted and that it would sell really well because he went and patented it. The guy ends up having like something like over 5,000 patents by the time he dies. And I'm pretty sure most of them are based around dynamite and like just all the different kinds of mixtures you can get and ratios. Yeah. Because I think he finds like the perfect ratio of like if we use 80% clay and 20% nitroglycerin, that's when it's like the most stable but still gets a really good bang out of it. And yeah. So he probably patented that and then patented every other ratio so that way nobody could go rip him off. It's smart. You know, different clay, different wicks. Um, yep. Hot dog skin as a wrapping. We'll try it. I, you know, just patent it. It's called a hot dog. Get it? Do you get it? Don't eat it, but it is called a hot dog. It has to be in all capitals on the patent. That's how the only way. It's got ketchup on it. And they're like, just kind of. what do you do with it? Whatever you want. I don't know. Do It's your hot dog. Put, put ketchup on it. Where are pants? Where? Are we just going to do one another of these questions? Where are? Patent dick? Just sign it. It's a <laughs> hot scientist. dog. It's funny. Where are pants? <laughs> <laughs>
But isn't that strange? I never knew the guy who created, you know, the Nobel Prize, which we haven't even gotten to really yet, is the same guy who invented dynamite. Yeah, I would not have anticipated that at all. Yeah. I would have thought he would have been kind of a science nerd who has never accomplished anything, and so he wanted to slap his name on some shit, but he did real shit. Yeah, he was a smart engineer, smart chemist. So, like I was saying, this makes him rich overnight. As a matter of fact, to kind of give you an idea, there's a little bit of a fun story that someone told to kind of help explain how rich he was. So, as he got rich and he started opening up a bunch of factories to make a bunch of dynamite to start selling it all off, he had hired a whole bunch of workers as well as some servants. Now, one of his servants was getting married. And when he asked her, what do you want for a wedding present? She told him, kind of being cheeky, that she would like to have as much money as he makes in one day. <laughs> and she, and he thought it was funny and that she was pretty, you know, pretty bold for her to say yeah. that. But I was like, sure, okay. So he wrote her a check that we know is was a six-figure check. So it was at least $100,000. Whoa. That he was making in a day back then in the 1850s, 1860s, right? Mid-1800s. Which I, I don't even know. A million today, maybe? Pretty much. Balls, yeah. Alfred. I think it's like $1.5 million in today's money. Fuck. So every single day making a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, no amount of homeschooling is going to stop the ladies from lining up for that dynamite stick. Whoa, oh. nice. Shit. A million dollars a day. I mean. Every day that you work. I would just blow it on silly, <laughs> on silly t-shirts. Hot dog t-shirts. Yeah. Wear our pants. I would investigate that with all my funds. <laughs> just have a whole team of thousands of people. Wear our well, pants. Well, when you listen people to like. Uh, like NPR, where they're like, this segment has been brought to you by the Bill and Melinda Gates charity yeah. and the Wear Our Pants Society. <laughs> we have to. He's paying a lot of money. We, we have to. He say. gives us a lot of money. So we have I'd like to, to see a commercial of just high paying money going into like these giant buildings where you see people walking around in the lab ca- uh, lab coats they're pouring in like different kinds of chemicals mm. one person's got a magnifying glass and they're all just like wear our pants is on the back of the wall tell me your progress today science tist well i'm looking at some brown dye with a magnifying glass while smoking a cigar interesting mm. so wear our pants i don't i don't fucking know not here not yet but we're we're not working in- not in this experiment, but I'm going to run through the course anyway, just to make sure. Maybe pants. I'd like there to be just one room where there's just like 15 people walking around and they don't have pants and all of them are going, wear our pants. Where have we are? thought about this? We're now all not wearing them, so wear our pants. Maybe we just need to ask the right questions in the right outfits. Are we and saying- right now we're not wearing pants. Yeah, are we asking it right? Because we would be new age like Google, so we'd have a whole wing that's dedicated to medic- like meditation. Just be like yeah. these hipsters, like, universe, wear our pants. Silence. And then there's just one room with one guy who's just saying, wear our pants in any possible way he can. With helium in his mouth, wear our mm. pants. He's always like, wear our pants. Maybe fast. Maybe we wear do like pants. ten times fast. What pants? What are our pants? What are pants? We would make a great scientist team of answering questions that need to be answered. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Us, us and NPR. 
mm-hmm. I'm really excited. Because I'm sick of asking it. <laughs> frankly. That's an NPR. Sick of asking it. <laughs> <laughs> so even though Alfred is considered to be a brilliant chemist, and obviously he's now extremely wealthy, yeah. he seems to actually have a lot of issues finding love. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Alfie. He was considered to be, for the most part, in normal interactions, he was very shy. A lot of people speculate this probably due because he was so ill. Even in his childhood, he was really ill, but it lasted throughout his adult life as well. So he was in and out of his house a lot due to sickness and wasn't very social. So he might have had a little bit of social awkwardness. Oh, definitely awkward. He definitely was homeschooled for a little while, so he got that homeschool weirdo stuff going on, right? But he even deemed himself as a loner. He was like, yeah, I have problems making friends and in social scenarios. It doesn't also help that when he was working with the people he's working with, because he took his work so seriously, he was considered to be often rude because he said he do he said that he would not he would not suffer fools. So whenever someone said something stupid to him, he would kind of criticize them and be like, Yeah, that's a that dumb sound, idea. Yeah, like what are that you sounds like a homeschool person. Do you know who I am? I'm super smart, okay? You just said something dumb to a super smart person. How do you Do you even know the difference between the Enterprise D and the Enterprise E? I don't suffer fools. <sighs> Get out of here. You know what? Take some nitroglycerin with you. Just, just put it in your, in put in your pocket. See what happens. Go Whoa. home. See how far you Because you don't know what's going to happen. <sighs> I am so smart. I, I do. So does my brother. <laughs> so does my brother. <laughs> <laughs> he did. <laughs> oh... You fool! Where are pants? I'm so lonely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He also felt that women did not find him to be attractive. So uh, I think that also made him more shy around women specifically. He did try to confess his love to one girl that he liked, and uh, she just ended up rejecting him flat out. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. What? What? He makes a million dollars a day, bitch. Who are you? I know that he did did an acoustic rendition of ACDC's TNT, and nobody wanted him to. But have you seen his (laughs) checking account? Who the fuck are you? (laughs) I listened to that just to get some money. TNT, your dynamite. And she didn't care. He must be really, really (laughs) off-putting. Maybe so. Just comes out with this dong out. Is this how this works? Is this how this works? Wear our pants, right? Am I right? Are are we are we sex now? Are we? <laughs> um, Alfred would later on get the courage to express feelings for another woman who he had actually hired on at first as kind of like a secretary to kind of take charge of different things, and he started to like her a lot. Unfortunately, she was already engaged to another man. And he eventually told her that he had feelings for her, and she said, yeah, no, thanks. I'm engaged, and I'm happy, and I also now think this has gotten so awkward that I can't work under you anymore. So she resigned shortly afterwards. Christ. Yeah. That's really awkward. He must have been crossing personal space lines. and Yeah. I feel like we we all know who that person is, and he might have been that guy. Only... The ones we know are broke. Al- Alfred is made of gold. Yeah, he's rich as shit. And he's that awkward. I'm pretty sure he'd be considered to probably be, um, I'm not sure, a billionaire at the time, but probably something close to it. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, he's so awkward. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's just throwing money at people. He's just like, please, sex, my mom, anything. My mom says I'm handsome. <laughs> there you go. 
I learned to read at three years old. Is that that's impressive, right? I'm impressed with it. <laughs> I don't suffer fools. And you're all idiots. Date, please date me. <laughs> Alfred eventually did find a woman that he would end up having a relationship with. This is later on where he's like 43 years old and she's 20 years old. And yeah. the other women that he showed interest in were also fairly intelligent. And they, I think that's what he was attracted to is that uh, like, these these women are smart. Though yeah, that's fair. 20-year-old was like completely opposite of him. She was whiny and dumb. And maybe that's why she ended up liking him is because he had a lot of money. and No, we don't. Tits. Yeah. I'm just going to go with that. I bet she had an amazing <laughs> rack. Hey. Yeah. That's what money buys. He should have married a really smart lady, but it's kind of an idiot. Well, they ended up having a relationship for 20 years, but it's not necessarily a great relationship, it sounds like, most of the time. And she eventually ends up even leaving him, getting pregnant. He tries to tell her to come back, and she's like, nah. And then she ends up marrying the guy that, you know, they had a kid with, so. I want to yeah. have dinner with this weirdo. He must be... So strange in person. Yeah. Well, and Alfred never ends up getting married, and he never ends up having any children. One of the five languages he speaks is Klingon, and he's going to order off the menu <laughs> in Klingon and expect somebody to, you deal with that. I'm Alfred. <laughs> That's the only thing that explains why. I will blow up this place if you don't get it right. I have a vial of nitroglycerin in my pocket. <laughs> and that's when she leaves, and you're like women the funny thing is is even though that he is extremely wealthy he's actually quite frugal he buys himself a lot of mansions so i can't say completely frugal but he doesn't really <laughs> dress super fancy he doesn't go out and eat at fancy places like he goes all over different countries because he keeps on building up more and more factories yeah. to be sold in different countries and he doesn't seem to go to like the nicest places or try to meet up with the people who are of that higher status he's kind of more chill and laid back the only thing he really spends his money on is his the places he lives in multiple countries. He has multiple mansions. And then also any kind of business ventures that he thinks sound interesting. So he'll start throwing money at other companies. Be like, I think your idea is really good. Let's start getting this going yeah. and I'll, I'll fund you. It's a good way to stay rich by investing. Yeah. But if he's not intermixing with a high society, it's got to be because he's just afraid of them. Or they don't like him. Yeah. Well, in 1875, when Alfred is about 43 years old, Alfred invents a new kind of explosive Ooh. called gelignite. I guess that's more of the chemical. So gelignite is a little bit different. It's safer than dynamite, and it's more malleable because he doesn't have to necessarily put it in with the clay. It's just as explosive and ends up being highly used in blastings for mining. You, you just put it in jello? It's like this kind of, yeah, like kind of a gel, gelatin-like. If you remember when his brother used Play-Doh, he was trying to honor that memory. It's like, I'm going right. to Jello. This is for you, bro. He loved Jello. Oh. I'm going to make another billion dollars. And he does. <laughs> this stuff This stuff sells like hotcakes. It sells <laughs> hot just cakes. as well as the dynamite. <laughs> and even hotcakes. Ah. Ah. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it continues to make him rich. They won't get you laid. No, unfortunately not. But yeah, he ends up building more factories to now make the gelignite, and he, he tries to get into very specific countries, and some of them take a while for him to get into for whatever reason. Some of them don't trust him because he was working with Russians, so like England and France, who were just in a war yeah. with them not very long ago. But he I does get eventually that. get in there. He's He sets up shop. France is a little weary of him. They think that he's possibly a spy or trying to get information to take back to Russia, anything like that. 
but while he's building up these different factories, he decides to go live in France. So we are actually in 1875. But uh, yeah, so he lands in France and wants to stay there. He has a, a home and a factory. And the French government actually come in and start knocking on his door, telling him that they had these new regulations based around explosives because they have been noticing that there's some safety issues. I just wanted to make sure to add the correct context now that he's in France. So for what he would need to know now that he's in France, it's pronounced U.S. le pantalon. <laughs> for where are pants? Where's pants? That's what he's going to need to know. I'm sure he already speaks French. So, yeah, the French government comes knocking on his door and they're like, hey, we have these new regulations for safety, which is funny because in the 1850s, you know, 1870s, I mean, uh, they're talking about regulations. I can tell you right now in the, like, the 1950s, the regulations sucked. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. what regulations they had exactly, but they came in and said that he was not following them and his factory needed to shape up, otherwise they would, like, fine him. Brits. And he doesn't even try. He's like, no, like, I'm fine. We're taking our own safety precautions. You don't need to bother us. Who's dead? Yeah. Your brother. No. Why did you don't do that? It up? That was different. No, he tells them basically no, and they charge him with not only fines, but they charge him with high crime and treason because they're all worried that he is. What's treason they think that he's trying to either blow up france or get information take back to russia that he's the enemy oh, relax yep so they kick him out of france and tell him that he is never welcome to come back and work in france again it's the most assertive the french have ever been so i mean he doesn't really care he's rich right so alfred's like cool i'll just move to italy and he does Spaghetti. During this time frame, he, he's the whole time frame he's been working. Like he constantly is testing different things. That's how he discovered the new kind of explosive that he is now making. But it was all due because the guy works like twenty hours a day, constantly is testing different chemicals out. Well, and he doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't have a girlfriend. So while he's doing all these different experiments, he comes across a new discovery where he creates and patents this explosive called ballastite now mm. ballastite is a smokeless propellant that is made from nitro uh oh shit i'm not sure if i'm gonna say this nitrocellulose cellulose nitrocellulose is that like his jello bomb it's different um because he mixes that with nitroglycerin so Oh, wow. It seems that he's taking nitroglycerin and just continues to keep mixing with other things, either to stabilize it or to maybe find something different. And in this case... I was just thinking, so is it is the goal is to make bigger bombs more stable? I think so, yeah. Wow. Uh, he might be also just trying to find just different things. Like, the guy's just curious as well. He's just like, what happens if I mix this with yeah. this? Oh, cool. This makes a firework. Awesome. Or, oh. right, or whatever. But in this... I wonder if I, wonder if I melted down with my... Star Wars DVDs. Hmm. But they are they are collector editions. I need to get the originals. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe my D D dice. Ah no. Ah. Fireball. I need to add a fireball in there. Fireball enact. Well, I'm the only one in here. What happens if I make a D twenty dice out of uh gelatin? Ooh. And then I put the nitroglycerin into it, and then I roll it. And if I get a 20, Natural my 20. whole mansion blows down. Just awesome. Did you guys see it? It was, this it was cool as hell. 
That will be the dice I use when I decide to kill myself and all the people I hate that I invite over <laughs> to play D&D with me. <laughs> well, so Ballastite is this new invention that he makes, and it's it's an explosive that can be used in guns. I'll, I'll kind of get mm. to the point here. I was going to try to explain it differently, but it's essentially a packet that when it ignites and, and explodes, it pushes a huge amount of force for something like a bullet to go out of a, a chamber, sure. to go out of a, uh, a gun. And the government, the Italian government, instantly buys it up. They're like, oh, this is better than Fuck. black powder. Yeah. This shoots farther, harder, and also it leaves no smoke residue. So, like, back then, everybody's guns that were exploding had this huge, you know, plume of Musket. smoke. Shit. Well, in this yeah. case, it's not so much. Like, it might have a little bit, but not really. And so, you're not really showing everybody where you're at mm. when you're firing off the hillside. So, it's it's about three times stronger, this Bellastite is three times stronger than black powder. Are they sure that it doesn't just blow up in the chamber? Yeah, it, it's stable. It's wow. safe. The way he mixed it makes it completely stable until it does ignite. You're a psycho, Alfred. <laughs> oh, it's funny because this whole entire time he's like, I'm going to do this for the mining industry and I want to make sure that it's peace for you know no wars. And then everyone that's buying his inventions are like, how can we use this to kill other people? <laughs> I'm going to kill all the Jews with this. And he's like, well, I just wanted you yeah. to gold or mine for gold. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't Come ask. on. Wear pants. Why are we doing this? Where's pants? Deep, deep in a mountain, there might be the answer to that question. Or at the bottom of a pile of dead Jews. Either way, thanks, Alfred. Yeah. And so he's the one who changed essentially the game for uh, going from black powder to this new, highly improved. Is that what we do now in guns? I don't think it's what we use now, guy. but. You can, I think, use it, obviously. I just don't think we do. I think we have a different mixture these days. Hmm. I don't know what it is. Hey. But this is definitely better than what they were using at the time in the 1800s. When you think about, like, they put the ball in a little, a little pour in the powder and stuff it down. Like, you don't have to do that anymore hmm. with his shit. Well, I'm not sure exactly if they had... I think they had rear loading at this time. Yeah. But I don't know. What, 1870s, had, uh, 1880s were in? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they had rear loading, but they uh I think they had black powder where it was in those little baggy kind yeah. of things and but they were stuck already in the gun, like on the rear end, and then you would light it and it <laughs> hit the back end of it and explode it. Whereas this, they're just really just kind of changing out from black powder to his new invention and just replacing it. They they did build a new gun around it and at least the Italians did. And they now have better gun power than everybody else. <laughs> hey. All right. So here comes a fun story. In 1888, Alfred's brother dies. Uh, another one. Yeah. That's the fun story. No, no, no. Wait, that's not the fun it's, story that he dies. It's that's hilarious. No. He was all like, no. brother, I love you. And then he's like, dead. He's <laughs> <laughs> dead. So good, good story there. That's so funny. No, the fun part of it is that when he died, his brother, when Alfred's brother died, the newspapers got it all mixed up of who it was that died. They thought it was Alfred mm. who died. And the word got spread quickly, and so everyone started writing about that Alfred died. And when the newspapers wrote about it, his obituary, they also gave their opinions on how they felt about <laughs> Alfred. And they're not good. They're all negative. Um, as a matter of fact... Warmongering virgin weirdo. Yeah. He, <laughs> he ends up getting... Like, one of the headlines, no joke, is the merchant of death is dead. And then the article goes on to say that Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, just died yesterday. 
this is pretty much what all the newspapers are doing. Like, like you, they're all unanimously saying that he was an awful person who helped get a lot of people killed. I mean, your brother just died. The only other way to twist the knife is that. That's <laughs> right? rough. I mean, he's sitting there reading his own obituary right. and realizing how everybody feels about him. Well, and he's he's pulling out the newspaper thinking it's going to be his brother's obituary. And it's like, hey, this piece of shit died. And you're like, this jackass asshole. That's my name. <laughs> what the? What? Where are pets? <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty crazy that that just, like, that actually happened. Um, this obviously um that's really sad he didn't realize was he pissed yeah he well he, he, i think he didn't know that people didn't like him he's more disturbed i think because he didn't realize that that's how people felt yeah. and you know maybe the newspapers even kind of pushed it to sell the paper a bit to exaggerate like how bad of like of a person he must have been <laughs> he thought he was helping you know the world he's like this has made mining industry just go it made it explode yeah <laughs> oh. i'm so sorry I'm sorry about that you cheeky bastard alfred i'm so sorry i'll i'll, I'll leave I'll, get out <laughs> I'll just take off sorry about that yeah <laughs> i'll just I'll, i'm just gonna go where's the is where, where are the door where's the door where are pants where are pants um can we can we blow a, a door <laughs> just blow up a door feel really awkward now. It's a terrible pun. I'm so sorry. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> I'm yeah, explosively so the worst. I'm going to leave. Anybody have any cute sisters? Because he's a, in my, my narrative, he's a, he's a weird virgin. I don't think that's just your narrative. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be more reality. Oh, Alfred. All of this is a, a Freudian psychology. Like, he wants to make bigger and bigger explosions to make up for the fact that his ejaculations are getting smaller and more pathetic. <laughs> I think you might be onto something there. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. People time. People time. We're discovering <laughs> we'll shit. Put, we'll put that into our research with where our pants and our labs. Yeah, we got a whole thing. No, so he's disturbed by this, doesn't realize that this is how everyone felt. He thought he was being genuinely helpful towards mankind and progressing, you know, technology and science. Yeah. So he he doesn't like this and wants to turn the idea of what people think of him around. He wants to be noted as being a good person, which was what he thought he was already. So in 1893, he's about 60 years old. Alfred decides to start writing up his will, and he works on it for two years. And he gets somebody to come in and kind of help him. Um, he's not really a big fan of lawyers. He thinks that they screw everything up, so it's just some dude. He's not wrong about that, but... Yeah. I mean, how hard is it when you don't have a wife and kids? Yeah. Like... But just put it somewhere. Well, and so this is what the idea is, is, that he makes a very odd and unique will that pretty much anyone has ever made before. No one's done this, and I don't think even since. But he states that when he dies in his will, that he's going to leave 94% of his total wealth, which ends up being roughly about $265 million, and it will be awarded to a number of annual prizes to individuals each year who have conferred to the greatest benefit of mankind in the following categories. Ooh. Physics, chemistry, psychology or medicine, literature, and peace. And this is essentially how the Nobel Prize is created. It's, it's weird because I always thought it was a committee. Yeah. I was like, let's put this together. Maybe we'll use some sort of tax money or we'll do some way to, to generate the money. And then when people do these amazing, great things, we'll award them, which will 
cause others that will want to, you know, compete for these kind of prizes to do great things. Yeah. But really, it's literally just the amount of money that this guy had. Jackass will. with nobody to give his money to. Yeah. I don't know where the other 6% went. I tried to look that up because it was specifically 94% that was going to be left. And I was like, why that number? He must have had some just other plan with the rest of his money. Play-Doh? He just gave it to the Play-Doh company. Maybe. I don't and know. he just sent it in a big fat envelope that said, "Where's pants? Don't they ask the pantalones?" Good luck. And they're they're still working on it, I think. Yeah, I imagine the six percent probably went to the remaining of his family, like his siblings that were still alive, or you know, well, his, I hope so. His parents, if they're still alive, but yeah. Um, what? so. That's how the Nobel Prize is created. Um, it is in his will states that the Peace Prize is to go to the person who has done the most or the best work for fraternity between the nations and abolition or reduction of standing armies and the formation of spreading of peace Congress. So yeah, good on him. He tried to kind of really, yeah, he kind of tried to really put it together being like, if someone goes out and does something really big that kind of helps all the nations not fight and to keep peace, they deserve some of my money that I earned in my lifetime. Well, but that that's blood money. <laughs> well, I mean, his I money really is know. from war and then he's like, I'll give it to you for not making war. He definitely was trying to change his, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he wanted, wanted to change to his narrative. And I don't think he really ever thought that appreciate. his stuff was going to be used in war or in guns. I think he was trying to find explosives that were supposed to be for mining. And other people found ways yeah. to use it for other things. So I still think, you know, if you think about TNT, you're going to think about mines. Yeah. As a matter of fact, TNT is not really used in war. At least not in the idea of throwing it like at the enemy to blow them up. Um, it might be used to like bunker down your own army right you might like use it to blast yeah and then get down into like trenches or whatever but i don't think tnt was ever used as like just huck it at the enemy light it and throw it like they had other stuff yeah. by then it's that way, was better it's way too unstable i mean even in his magic clay you yeah. don't want to carry that shit in your bag well because tnt if it actually gets too warm it sweats and when it sweats it's leaking I've out the nitroglycerine that. and it can, and that is back to being unstable again all so, of my TNT education comes from one episode of Lost, in <laughs> yeah. which uh, they find an old ship that has some boxes of TNT, and they want the TNT to fight to fight the others, of course. Right, right. And there's a science professor who's just a motor mouth idiot, but they bring him along to help extract the TNT, and he goes, "Don't touch it; it sweats." And they were like, I don't know what that means. And he's like, it's hydroglycerin wrapped in clay. And when it's hot, it sweats. And when it sweats, it becomes more unstable. Yep. So he gingerly helps them remove the TNT from the box. And then he grabs one and, and explodes. It explodes? Does he die? He explodes. <laughs> oh, he's Oh, nice. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. I think that's like, what, two decades old? How old is that show? <laughs> <laughs> should have seen it by now if you're into it it's pretty bad yeah well that's true so tnt is if you go find tnt in a mine because there's abandoned mines and people have found boxes of oh. tnt still in there you don't touch it because over time it sweats and in um direct high heat it will sweat and that's where it becomes more and more unstable to the point where yeah a bump can make it explode and then you could be maimed or killed or whatever so yeah don't play yeah, with tnt so scary 
Yeah. Well, and it sounds like it's not like a regular kind of explosion. I mean, it killed his brother and then damaged the building next door. Yeah. It's like a serious, yeah, don't touch it. Yeah, don't touch. But uh, Mail it to P.O. Box 186 People Time Bunker. We'll we'll take care of it. Don't mail TNT. I'm pretty sure you'll go straight to prison. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have the licensing to do it, I'm pretty sure they'll be like, what are you doing? It's some kind of terrorist crime. Yeah. We're just trying to find out where his pants. We thought this might help. <laughs> it didn't, so we'll mark that off. We're sorry. Now we know. Okay. Okay. That's, That's science. Not here. That's not now where we pants know. is. Um, well, over the next couple of years, Alfred's health is declining, and it's kind of declining pretty sharply. Ironically, he's having heart attacks and chest pains and is self-medicating with nitroglycerin. <laughs> what? I... Wait, what? 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 Yeah. So he's taking small doses of nitroglycerin. But what what made him think I should put this in my body? I have no idea. I went and looked this up because I first was when I first read this, I didn't realize nitroglycerin was something you would ingest for medical reasons. So I went and yeah. looked it up and saw that it was. And I was like, okay, so that's not weird. But were they testing this? Like this is supposed to be something that's very uh, explosive. Apparently somebody else had already figured out how to use in a medicine kind of form where it was safe to use and you would ingest it. Because it's actually hmm. pretty harmless once you've ingested it. It's supposed to even taste sweet. Although I don't think you're really actually supposed to eat it that way. I think you want it to dissolve <laughs> slowly. But yeah, That's it, like they say uh, antifreeze. Kind of tastes like Gatorade. Yeah, yeah antifreeze I is sweet. I haven't taste, tested that myself. But. Me either. I don't know. I don't even know if it's dangerous. But nitroglycerin to ingest is completely safe. I'm not telling people to hmm. go do that because I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm just I'm just telling you what I've read. Hey, if I'm in there and they're like, you need this, I trust you. But I'm not at home going to be like, I'm going to self-medicate with this bomb. <laughs> right? I'm not sure exactly how he figured out. But he, he thought it was funny, too, that he realized that there was like... You know, I didn't ever die from being exploded from working through this stuff, but yet here I am having heart attacks, and now I have to take it in order to help live. It didn't help. There's like you were saying irony, before, yeah. just like you were saying before, if you take this, it's supposed to help when you're having a heart attack or before. Most of the damage had already been done. Maybe he was just taking it in case more came, but yeah. Well, yeah, I want to figure out what the physical mechanics are, um, because it makes absolutely no sense. I don't know either. Maybe the guy who figured that out would have gotten a Nobel Prize if it existed at that time. Who knows? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, his health declines. He takes this medicine. Unfortunately, it's not really long after. And on December 10th, 1896, at 63 years old, Alfred has a stroke and dies. So now the Nobel Prize, it almost actually didn't become a thing. So he dies and his will is read and get you know gets sent out. And there's a lot of problems with it. One, he didn't use a lawyer, like I said earlier, so there's a lot of legality issues. But on top of that, the guy bounced around from so many countries that a lot of countries argued over if his will was legitimate based on where he lived, like who, like what citizen was he supposed to be of, and his family's arguing that they want the money. So it goes into a lot of problems. However, it luckily gets sorted out to the point where they're like, this is what the will says, this is obviously what he intended it. We just need to find somebody who is willing to take over and be a committee to do what he asked, to start having people get nominated, and then they'll start handing out the prize money from his will, from his from his that money. That is so weird. Just from a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Who just didn't have anywhere else to put the money, and it sounds like he didn't establish the stipulations for, like, what is the best chemistry? 
He's just like, give it to the best chemist. Yeah, I think he kind of, I don't know if he, he tried to set some guidelines to it, but I think he really wanted whatever committee was going to take it over to essentially be the judges of that and to decide how that was going to work. As a matter of fact, they even had a hard time finding the committee. Nobody, for whatever reason, I think that would be an awesome like thing to be a part of. Yeah. But most people were like, no, most committees that already existed. They did find one committee that was like, we'll take it on. That sounds like a, a really good ad. What's the word? Admirable. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah, for sure. To use his money and, and help benefit mankind. So that ends up going through. We now have the Nobel prize. And about five years after Alfred's death, they started to do the Nobel Prize each year. And this was what, 19... In 1901 is when the first Nobel Prize Whoa. was given. So 1901 all the way to today, and it's all been from his leftover money. It's still now, his commi- money? Yeah. So the committee, I'm assuming, because I, I try to go and find all this info out, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of stuff that they probably don't disclose, but I imagine the committee has also made investments and made other ways of keeping the money going because yeah more contributors yeah it was like 250 million dollars but at the same time back then they were giving people like a hundred thousand dollars but back then that was about a million dollars for yeah for getting the prize now today it's roughly about a million dollars in today's money so it's like even with inflation pretty much everybody that has won the nobel prize has relatively gotten about a million dollars it has gone down in some cases there were some areas where people didn't get quite as much, but it was always still pretty high amounts. It's not super much later in history when, you know, Mary Curie gets her two. And Mary if, Curie gets it pretty soon after, yeah. And if I remember... I'm actually going to bring it up a little bit. Oh, okay. And this is so crazy, because I didn't realize, like you said, it's the same pool of money, at least the majority of it. And good for him, yeah. like you say, it's, ad- it's, it's admirable that he, yeah, he felt bad that he's a multi-billionaire from the the war machine and he yeah. wants to give back that's nice yeah and i mean it did obviously end up making a name for himself a lot of people you know strive to get the nobel prize and to do better for mankind i just yeah. think it's funny because the money used the alfred left behind from mostly making dynamite and other explosives right. is now the thing that's being people are competing after in hopefully a positive way and it's just such a funny, odd story of how it all came to be. Like I said before, I thought it was just a committee that was put together to do good. It's some guy's will. That's what it is. That's what the Nobel Prize is. That's bananas. Yeah, I would have assumed, yeah, it was like three or four scientists who were like, we need to inspire other scientists and they pool some money. But no, it's some fucking weird, rich asshole who came up with the idea of jerking off alone while crying. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, it's a bummer because Nobel was unhappy in love. He never married, like I said before, never had any children. Sad boy. He even described himself as a loner. In fact, one of his brothers asked him kind of like a biographical, like, what would your biographical note be of your life? And he said to them, Alfred Nobel, a pitiful half-life which ought to have been extinguished by some compassionate doctor as the infant yelled its way into the world. He didn't Whoa. really even think of himself super highly and knew that he was kind of an oddball. That's really and, depressing. Yeah. And, I mean, he did say he joked around and often talked like that. But that's Alfred Nobel's life. I've got some fun facts if you'd like to go over some Woo! of them. All right. 
So one fun fact I liked was there is a synthetic chemical element called nobelium, which was specifically mm. named after Nobel. So he has a, a chemical that's named after him with an atomic level. It's in cello. I don't know what it's for. It's like, I know the symbol is N-O and it has an atomic number of 102. And N-O? Just, N-O. No. That's from what every woman told him his whole life. <laughs> there you go. No. <laughs> no. Is. Uh-uh, no. I do know it's a radioactive kind of metal, but I don't know exactly more details on that. I'm not a... Yeah, that's like, um, a few people we've done have chemicals named after them, and they're usually that upper weird metal shit that's bad for you, that doesn't do anything. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. in your watch, probably, and nobody mm-hmm. knows what it does. So, uh, between 1901 and 2019... There have been 597 Nobel Prizes given out. You go! So a lot of people have done a lot of great things. We've done some people on People Time that have won the Nobel Prize. Mm -hmm. And Mary Curie, as we were bringing up before, she was not only the first woman to win a Nobel Prize, but she was also the first person to win two different Nobel Prizes in two different categories. What? So you you were bringing up in the episode, if... If our listeners haven't gone back and listened to Mary Curie, they should. Mary Curie's awesome. And the two prizes that she won was one in chemistry and one in physics, which is just badass. Bitch, what? Check it Mm, out. mm, mm, Mary Curie mm. is super badass. Yeah. Winston Churchill also won the Nobel Prize in literacy. So he got one. Oh, he he won it in literature? It wasn't the, the peace one? Nope. Yeah, it was literature. Huh. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. was also one who won the Nobel Prize. He won the Nobel Peace Prize, which we also brought up in the uh, that episode. We discussed that. Yep. Wangari Mathai received the Nobel Peace Prize as well. We'd done an episode yeah. on him. I kind of found it weird because there were some people I was expecting to see who won the Nobel Prize that didn't. Nikola Tesla did not win a Nobel Prize. It's kind of funny, though, because in November of 1915, the New York Times suggested that Tesla and Edison were to share the Ew. Nobel Prize. Yeah, I would share with him. And it's Edison. funny because Tesla immediately Tesla declared, he said that he did not want to share the prize with Edison <laughs> Yeah, and would not accept it. But he also said some other stuff. He said that he wasn't surprised of being nominated because of his pioneer work and said that he was going to have power running through the entire planet wirelessly. And that's probably why he was going to get the prize, even though he wasn't, he didn't actually invent that, right? It never happened. How insane He, he was working that? on it, but yeah, it never came to be. I don't want your piddly prize. I will power the earth. <laughs> but he definitely did not okay. want to share it with Edison if it was going to be given. Because you could, it could be possible to share, have multiple people get the prize. But yeah, it's kind of funny. The, the committee who gives out the Nobel Prize actually wrote out a letter specifically. It seems like they went out of their way to write a letter to Tesla to say... Any rumor that a person has not been given a Nobel Prize because he has made known his intentions to refuse the reward is ridiculous. They're like, <laughs> well, you're not going to accept our prize? Well, that's stupid because we weren't even going to uh, give it to you. Then it's just you're ridiculous. Yeah. So I think it's funny that they made that. Yeah. yeah Here's that's a, a good call out. Um, Gandhi never got a Nobel Peace Prize, which I thought was interesting. We've done an episode yeah. on him. And- I bet if you were to ask the general person, did Gandhi win the Nobel Peace Prize? Most people would be like, probably. Yeah, I would have guessed uh, until we did the episode. I, and Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, prior to this. He did not win it. Um, The Wright brothers also did not win the Nobel Prize. You know, human flight. I thought that was kind of interesting in physics. It's not that that's important or anything. But yeah, no, they didn't get one either. I don't know if they were even nominated or not, but they, they definitely haven't received one. So that's a couple of people that we did people time on that I was surprised. Because I went through every did... single person we've done to see if they got the prize and like yeah. checked. And yeah. They did. Uh, yeah, Jack, Jack Parson, I know they wouldn't give him one because he's a psycho. Did they yeah. give one to Stephen Hawking? I don't remember. Stephen Hawking did not get one. I looked him up wow. as well. He was nominated, and he ended up telling them to give it to somebody else because one of the things he was being nominated for, he was incorrect about. It was about, oh, black, shit. It was about black holes, and he had a theory that ended up being disproven, and when that came to light even he said like yeah don't give me the the nobel prize because i'm a failure yeah because that was in it was incorrect well how humbling is that where they're like we were gonna give you this prize but you fucked up and then he has to type on a computer yes i am a failure he's like i agree give it to someone else that's (laughs) awful no i think he was pretty nice about it um he actually suggested i think another scientist and they gave it to that one yeah he's definitely go science kind of guy yeah, and the last thing I wanted to end my fun facts with is here are some people that were nominated for the Nobel Prize that you may not have thought was nominated. Hmm. Hitler was uh, nominated for the Peace Prize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is actually kind of funny because I've heard this before, but I didn't know the details. It was actually done as a joke. So the person who nominated oh. him was actually not only making fun of Hitler, but was also making fun of the British Prime Minister, Nivelle Chamberlain. Because if you know, at the time, Chamberlain was the guy who Britain kicked out when they were going into World War II. Cause like, he's no good. We need Winston Churchill to come back. This guy's stupid. Yeah. Chamberlain was the guy who went and signed that peace treaty kind of thing with Hitler, and then Hitler broke it, and everyone was like, yeah, of course he was going to. Yeah, like, why did you think that? that piece of paper was going to stop him from Dip doing it. He so, was, I know I know Chamberlain was the guy that Jack Kennedy's dad sided with when they were in England. Yeah. And everyone was like you're all idiots. Yeah. Hitler's going to try and kill you all. Yeah. So yeah. somebody was making fun of him and it was like, well, cuz he got nominated, Chamberlain did. So then mm. this other person was like, oh, you're going to nominate him? I nominate Hitler. It's the same thing. Like none of them deserve it. So that's I remember funny. When Obama won the Peace Prize, I read some Fox News pieces that mentioned that. They're like, oh, Obama won the reward that that Hitler was nominated for. Ooh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And Hitler obviously didn't get it. Um, he did not get a Nobel Prize. Uh, Benito Mussolini was also nominated. Ooh. The Italian fascist dictator was nominated in 1935, which was the same year that he invaded uh Ethiopia. <laughs> so he invaded there and someone nominated him for the Peace Prize. He brought um, peace to Africa. Yeah. The nomination also came after he had placed three quarters of the Italian businesses under state control. So he was also, yeah. Yeah. Taking advantage of his own people and putting them under what, his control more. What's more peaceful than fascism? Do as I say, oh, kill your whole family. It's funny because I read a little article that said that he clearly did not get the Peace Prize, but apparently there was a little bit of an argument within the committee. However, there was not any details, so I don't know if it was an argument because somebody was like, Mm. yeah, give it to him, why? And everyone's like, no, what are you talking about? He's a psycho. So apparently there was some sort of argument, but it it ended off with him not getting it. He's so handsome, though. Yeah. And the last person I was going to bring up was just Joseph Stalin. Mm. 
the Secretary General of the Communist Party and Soviet Union in 1922-1953, was nominated for the Nobel Prize in 1945 and in 1948. So he got 45? nominated twice. Like, yeah. after the greatest massacre of on Earth? Yeah, 1945 and 1948, so two different years. In his efforts against to end World War II against yeah, Germany. Yeah, yeah. But- he did not receive it. No. I don't even think he was considered. It's, like, they probably, like... The, it's weird. So, the committee actually will take on sometimes thousands of nominations, and they have to dwindle it down to, like, 50. And then from there, they will release some of the names that, you know, the 50 names that have been yeah. nominated, and then they'll later say who it was that won. And, yeah, none of these people ever made the, the 50 list. So... Of course, yeah. it's dictators, but... Did, uh... Uh, Mother Teresa ever get one? But just to do more hypocrite shit, and she's a huge piece of shit. We actually need to do an episode on her. Uh, it looks like she is a winner of the Peace Prize in 1979. Everything is a lie. But at the same time, I, I like to think that maybe it's because people didn't know what they know now. Yeah, I don't I don't know what brought that all that shit to light, but I feel like it was only a few years ago. They were like, oh, by the way, this was all monstrous. That was back in the uh, late 70s, and I think everyone thought Mother Teresa was this saintly person doing all these great things, so I don't know how much the committee has to go in and research. They say they spend actually a lot of money just trying to go over all the details of all the nominees and what they did, and they actually spend. It's probably a full-time job for some people. Yeah, probably. That'd be kind of a cool job to work on that committee. I wouldn't mind doing that. I'd do it. I I would give it exclusively to black women, but it's what it is. It's where I'm at. Well, there you go. There's Alfred Nobel, man. That's uh, the person who created the Nobel Prize and Dynamite. I love people time. If if you would ask me what I thought the Nobel Prize came from, I'd be like, okay, maybe an engineer, 1900s. He was like, we should incentivize people, super honorable. But it's none of that. It was an all an accident from a fucking weirdo. Yeah, and to think if that newspaper didn't, you know, if those newspapers didn't write ill of him when his brother died mixing him up, he yeah. might not have known, and he might not have left everything. Who knows? I, it seems like there's a lot of different catalysts that if they were missed, maybe we wouldn't have it. But everybody knows what the Nobel Prize is these days because of how much, you know, it contributes to society. Yeah. So it's pretty odd. And, you know, I like to think of him just walking around his house going, Glycerine! Glycerine! Oh, glycerine. As she doesn't fall around me, because I'm a virgin. (laughs) (laughs) My brother was a beautiful man. What? (laughs) What are pets? Well, hey, thanks again for tuning in to People Time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, we hope that, you know, the quality of it being remote is uh, tolerable. We will one day be recording again next to each other and on our equipment. Um, For now, we want to make sure you guys still have some content. Someday we can all go back to the bar and hug each other. Until then, uh, lock down, motherfucks. Make sure you hit like, subscribe. It helps out a lot for our content and able to help spread the word about people time. Mm. Uh, the Mm. motherfucking show. Oh, good program. Hot dog. We love you.